0: Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Oh boy, I, just like last week, I have a myriad of thoughts, and I, and I don't want to stray too far from my notes, but oh my gosh. Anybody watch that new Lord of the Rings thing on Prime? No, yeah, who said yeah? All right, you guys watched it. Did you like it? You loved it? I got so. So I'm a literary snob, and uh, and tend to be um, most of what, even what Peter Jackson did. And I know they're beloved movies now, and they're 20 years old. And I understand that I waited 20 years for them to make a decent movie out of it. And it's sort of decent, um, but I I think the weight of what he was writing compared to what we're watching doesn't equate for me. So there's my grumpiness. It just uh, you know there there's there's many 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 uh, literary critics, uh, especially those in England, that would agree that that. Tolkien's work is is maybe, some of them say this, the greatest that was ever written, and that's backed up against Chaucer and and all the people, you know, going clear back to Beowulf. Uh, but one of the most important pieces written, you know, we take it as fantasy and we make movies out of it and our kids play little games out of it and we have swords that we name and all that. But it was just such a profound work, and if you know anything about Tolkien's life, He was a deep, deep, conscious believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did many other things besides writing the Lord of the Rings uh, and and stuff that he was uh, accountable for and accomplished in his life. He helped edit and write the Jerusalem Bible, which was an English version, uh, an English Catholic version of modern language Bible and he loved God. He loved him his whole life. His wife loved God and they were very, very, very devout. And in many ways he was very non-religious and, uh, it would have been fun to meet him, but I think he was probably rather odd and quirky. Anybody who could write that would have to be. And, uh, to live in another world like that. Um, How many of you, last week I talked about this, so we've been doing a long lesson on the economy of God and what I meant by that. So to catch up guests, and and if you weren't here, what I mean by economy is not money. Economy is the operation and how uh, God manages the kingdom, how he manages his authority within the kingdom. And God has an economy that's so different than ours. It's so vastly different, and we bring everything into our culture and what it means today, and he meant something far different. Actually, almost every story that Jesus told about money wasn't about money. We make it about money, because that's what's important to us, and you can use it that way. And I think most of it's not wrong, so what? We we Read something in the Word of God, and we apply it to our lives today. But when Jesus was talking about money, he wasn't talking about money. When he told them to go find the coin in the fish's mouth, he wasn't telling them how to fish, and he wasn't telling them how to get money. What he was telling them, trust me. I will be your provision. That's God's economy. There's understanding beyond The fact of money. So when you see, when he taught on the parable of the talents, he wasn't giving us business acumen in knowing how to invest things. He was trying to indicate to our hearts how he rewards what we do with what he gives us. And there's great reward in him. And we've been looking at that and understanding what he means by his economy is a very uh, another way of putting it would be the ways of God the the ways that he does things and he does them in miraculous ways and so we went to uh, in looking at it uh, we're we're actually looking at, at a, a very passage of scripture oops I, I forgot my little clicker thingy you nope. Know, That's not working. Somebody, did you hit slideshow? Ah, there we go. Got it. This is all the stuff we did. See what you missed? (laughs) Coming back to this, in the understanding of this. Now, we don't live our lives by equations, but Peter made it very clear that God did something when we added in our life. And you go back to uh, the first verse in Second Peter 1, and it says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. When we grow in our knowledge of God and who he is, and we start adding things in our life, God multiplies things. That's the true multiplication principle that's, that's there. He says, "Great, the reward is grace and peace. When you do one, now think of this, how many times you've done uh, one feeble little, okay, I'll try. Did you ever get that out, you know? He showed you to do something and it was big, hairy, scary monster. And you went, okay. Boy, this better be you, God, and not my silly mind making things up again. And when you did that, he multiplies grace, which is his favor, and peace, which is everything. If you have peace, you, that's, that means, because peace is a reflection of your trust in God. When you're peace, you don't have to make it happen. You don't have to strive to get it there. And if you have peace, it's amazing. We always think it takes great courage to stand against fear. It takes peace. If you have peace, you can face your fears. If you don't have peace, your courage is going to waver. It's really, really, it's really important to have the peace of God. That's why he was called the Prince of Peace. His peace to us gives us actually the strength to get through life. And so I want, I don't know about you, but I want grace and peace and I want it multiplied in my life. It's really, it's this commodity within the economy of his kingdom. If I have those two things, favor, to have his favor and to have his peace, well, then the world can throw what it wants at me and I won't like it. I'll probably grumble and complain. I am i have human values and get upset about it and get mad at people or get disappointed or struggle. But man, if his peace comes over me, oh, you know, I know some of you have, uh, you know, probably all of us in here have lost loved ones. Every person I know, including me, when I, when I've lost a loved one, when God's, Peace through the Holy Spirit settled on me. I got through it. That was what. That's what carried me was the peace of God. And when His peace came in, it was just like uh, I was reading a little devotional thing this week, and it's just like when John describes in in John thirteen that he laid his head on Jesus' chest. That's what peace is. That was. Where else can I go? You're it. And here's the thing: He never rejects that, not one time. Whether you've been naughty or nice, doesn't matter. You run in and put your head against his chest. He will not push you away. He'll say, "Come here." And he just get his you know, I'm speaking symbolically, but he just put his arms around you and hold you there. John never forgot it. He never forgot it. He wrote it in the gospel, and then you see it in one of his letters when he starts writing, I'm going to tell you about something. <laughs> we were with him. We were with God. That which we saw and we handled and we heard. When he said handled, I can oh, he's going right there. He's going, oh, I put my head. Can you imagine that experience? I put my head on his chest. I heard his heartbeat when I was scared and I was just a teenager, and all those other old guys around me, he's just a kid. You just go, wow. Never rege- you'll never be rejected from that. God will always welcome you. And the way you get it multiplied is not by doing it more often, but by adding other things. So... Last week, we were talking about this passage of Scripture. I want to read it again. Peter says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Most of us want to jump over virtue and add knowledge, self-control, perseverance, perseverance godliness. That's actually the one we want to get to is we say this prayer all the time. Oh, God, would you help me love them? You ever had those prayers creep up on you and when things aren't going right and you don't like somebody or they've done something wrong or, or maybe they're just not good people You're, oh God just give me love in my heart for them well there's a, there's a bunch of stuff in front of that it's hard to love people they're broken they're mean they're scattered they're hurt they're scared they're all the things you are and more and you can't understand their motives have you ever noticed how it's so easy to justify your own motive and so easy to actually judge somebody else's well you don't really know well you did that because really? it takes a whole lot of this uh, stuff and the first one you want to add is virtue do you believe do you believe in God You do well. demons believe. They know God's God. And that's actually biblical. that's from James. He said, "You believe?' You, you, do know, you know, devils know that. But what devils don't know is the next part that what you can add to your believing is virtue, and they don't know how to do that. Now, how many of you did the assignment and read in Genesis? Star for you, Brenda. (laughs) First among equals. It's really such a profound story. The story is of Joseph. And because, you see, we think that meeting, first of all, we don't really know we think we know what virtue is, but it's so much bigger than what we're usually taught or what it is. And then virtue takes great courage. You, just, you don't get virtue because you did the right thing. You get virtue because you were courageous enough to do something. And it works in two ways. It's what you do privately and what you do publicly. Most of us are focused on what you're doing publicly. And we have the courage to stand up and say things in front of everybody else and stuff. But the greatest courage is when you're all alone and there's nobody else looking. And you choose, and to be virtuous actually means valor or courage. And it also means other things, to do the right thing. To be virtuous is doing the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. That's virtue. Wholeness, completeness. Uh, when I say to you, the virtuous woman from Proverbs 31, what do you think of if I say that that way? She's a virtuous woman. What is she? She's, queen. she's sweet, she's kind, she's, she's gentle. Give. Giving, what else? She's a virtuous woman. Good. Innocent. Who would think that? Pure? If something's virtuous, are they pure? She's a virtuous woman. She's a courageous woman. If you look at Proverbs 31, she chooses right for her family for the sake of others. Um, Most believe that Solomon was actually writing about his mother, who was an adulterer. That's mic drop time. But he watched her all of her life. And even though she made mistakes, she came back and she kept adding virtue to what she believed about God, his life. The story of Joseph is probably one of the most profound stories about virtue that you could ever imagine. I thought it would do us good. And... uh, since you didn't do the assignment on your own, now class. I'm gonna read a little bit of, maybe all of it, just t- taking 10 minutes to look at this. In uh, in Genesis 39, so that, that's where it kinda, uh, this is after after the story of his early teen years and at the beginning, it's kind of a switch. This happened around age 17 uh in which he got thrown in a pit by his brothers he gets rescued he finds himself on an auction block in a country where he doesn't know anybody uh he doesn't have anything by the way he has nothing at that point in time because they took his clothes he was thrown in the pit naked so when he's pulled out and sold to slave traders he has nothing he has no family he has no name He's with the people where he understands none of the language. I mean, you've got to really think through this story. He's on an auction block. Everybody's gawking at him. He can't cover himself up. He doesn't know. And he's 17. He doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. He doesn't have any, think of the, the, the culture and the language is so different than what, he was the favored child, remember? He was his daddy's favorite. He got the robe of many colors. We, we like to do a play about it today. Man, everything's gone. So that's at this point where the story picks up. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 39 of Genesis, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now here's this verse you should highlight, because there's no other verse like this in the rest of the Bible. This is the only time this word is used in the Bible. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. That's another mic drop time. Does that look like success to you? You're a slave. You don't have any clothes. You don't have a culture. You don't have a history. You don't have any rights. You can't say, "Uh, excuse me. You don't even know how to say excuse me because it's a different language. There's absolute terror, and he's a su- successful man. I'm going to find out why. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. Oh, somebody else saw it. It's amazing. That the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Now, this is an interesting word because meaning to, to prosper, the word is favor. He has the favor of God. Do you know what the New Testament word for that is? Grace. That's what grace actually means is favor. It means unmerited favor. Joseph has the grace of God in his life. Unmerited favor. And the guy who's his owner recognizes it immediately. How did he recognize it? Joseph was just being who he was supposed to be. He was believing and believing God. I don't know what that all looked like, and we don't get to see the whole story here, but it's such a snapshot, isn't it? You ever felt like you've lost everything? No? Given it up? Has anybody ever like, left and just given, given it up, done that one? Yeah, I did too. That's so why he called me out on the water. You know, we see it as a big, fast sacrifice. After you've done it, you go, nothing. And I can remember going into vocational ministry to teach recalcitrant teenagers And giving up my career in politics. I did actually have one. And I had the favor of God on me. I can remember. It was such a big sacrifice. I look down now and I go, that was nothing. Didn't mean a thing. Except it was fun at the time. But the adventure was when you stepped out on the water. When he called and you listened. And you there's nothing like that step there's nothing more exhilarating am i my my think of what Brenda had to do my wife had to go along with it yeah she was a little recalcitrant at times <laughs> truth be told uh, i mean you know it was all in front of us i was a uh, Yuppie back then is what they called it, a young urban potential. <laughs> so I, I became a young urban failure and took a two-thirds cut in salary and did all that. You know what? It made every other step easier. Why? Because I, I was adding something into my life, and that was the courage, the courage to make a decision to say yes. God saw that, And grace, favor, grace, and peace was multiplied to me over and over and over again. I've, I was, you know, this is, like I said, a time of remembrance. I don't know where I got the courage to say that. I'd like to say it all happened in one night. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because this story, we're reading it as though it was one event, you know, it just happened all at once. That was a very slow, methodical part of Joseph's life. We're getting it in a snapshot of one chapter and a few verses. And all of that took time. Uh, Potiphar didn't just all of a sudden notice that the favor of God was on him. He started watching this slave that he bought. And he went, man, there's something on that kid. That's your life, and it takes that step, and all of a sudden grace and peace start getting multiplied to you. Listen to the story. So his master saw that the Lord was with him, the Lord made all that he did to his hand of So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. Now this is a kid. Now maybe he was 20 by this time, I don't know. And all that he had, he put under his authority. He gave him authority as a ruler of the house. And he's a leader in Egypt, which is the most powerful nation on the earth. So it was, from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for Joseph's sake. Got multiplied, didn't it? Joseph added virtue with courage and Potiphar reaps the benefit and it gets multiplied. It's an amazing story. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He didn't know what he had except for the bread which he ate. He didn't have to worry about a thing. Joseph was in charge. It should be a new sitcom, Joseph in Charge. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. I don't know why that's in there, but I like it. God looked down on this kid and went, "He's just handsome. He's just a delight of my heart." You hear? Remember, this is inspired by God. Can you imagine Moses when he was writing this part, going, smiling? It's one of his forebears. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He was handsome, and he had the favor of God, and she went, huh. But he refused. An act of courage. Courage. Of valor, he added virtue. Stunning thing! And he said to his master's wife, "Look, my master does not know, uh, does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in the house than I. He recognizes the favor of God on his life. Nor has he kept back anything from me, but you." because you are his wife how then can i do this great wickedness and sin against god he didn't talk about sinning against potiphar or her or even himself but he saw something here and the courage that it had to say when he was all alone and go i can't do this this is wrong that's virtue Another word for virtue is valor. To be a man of valor. And he had to do it in private first because nobody else is seeing this going on. It's just him. And we're getting to peek into the story. And we're looking at a young man who went, No. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sin against God. I'm not gonna. So he makes a choice. I'm gonna jump ahead. In, in the story. You read it again this week, but what he ends up doing is she still keeps coming after him. Doesn't that sound like sin? She keeps coming after him, and you know what he ends up having to do? is She's got him by the tunic. <laughs> he runs, only the tunic doesn't. So once again, he's naked and afraid, like the program. He's got no clothes on, but he did something. In his valor, he ran away from sin. And it was a private choice that ended up being public because now he's naked in the house and everybody else is going to see it. And she's got an accusation she can bring against him. Nobody else knows whether it's true or not because he's naked and afraid. It takes that kind of private choice before you can do public choices in each of our lives. To have the courage to say no and then to have the other courage to do this. Most of the times and most of the way I was taught about life and Christianity was that you were supposed to, it was sort of like this, resist sin and fear devils. And actually... You're supposed to fear sin. You're supposed to, and you're supposed to run away from it. That's the most courageous thing you can do about sin. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy flee, flee youthful lust. You're not going to, you won't win standing against sin. It finds a way to win. Um, Because sin is always battled in the flesh, because it's already been defeated in the spirit. The most courageous thing you can do about temptation and sin is run and say to yourself, feet don't fail me now. He called me out on the waters. I'm going to run on the waters. I'm not walking. I'm, run. I'm getting away from this. Get away from it. Stand against the enemy. Please Sin. Stand against the enemy. What what does that mean? Saying, no, I'm not heeding his voice. That's standing against the enemy. I'm not going to fall into his traps. That's the courage to make a virtuous decision. To just step and go, it's not who I am. And what happens in the midst of that and in this story, you think, okay, he's blowing it there. But look at God's economy. So he gets thrown in prison for it again. Again. And what happens in the next prison he goes to? Again, because he chose to add virtue, the favor of God is on his life. Again. And the jailer puts him in charge of the entire jail, of the prison. Now that didn't happen overnight because we're watching his stuff. He's getting older, but he's going through this and what he's saying is, huh, huh, If I choose God and choose the right thing, He'll always be with me. He'll always be with me. That's what Peter is writing to us. Grace and peace get multiplied to you when you make both private and public choices in God that are courageous. I've seen a lot of Christians hammer people with the gospel in public settings. And I went, you would have been better off just taking to that person to lunch one-on-one and listen to their story. Just listen to them and have the courage to do that. These great valor things that we're going to do, you know, and thinking back on all the meetings that we've been in. Oh, man, I've seen such goofy stuff. You know, from a wooden sword drawn across the, you know, the carpet in a prayer meeting. Which of you, in you know, us, here's what takes great courage? When you're all alone, you're in your bedroom, and it's scary, and you go, "Help, Lord." That's valor. That's such valor to trust God that way. And then you talk to a loved one and go, "Man, I'm scared." Life's dealing out some really difficult things. But let's trust God together and you take their hand and you pray. That's valor. That's adding to your faith virtue. It's just we don't know what virtue is. You know, it's it's like being stuck in the princess bride. I don't think you know what that word means. Well, I don't think we know today. Because it mean we're gonna look at it next week. It means a lot of things. As a matter of fact, it hinges on your faith. And I'll explain what I mean by that next week, but it's this courageous thing. So, question Can you be like Joseph? Can you be a person of valor? And every one of you should be able to head nod within yourself and go, Yes. Not because you want it, but because you are. He made you for this, or He wouldn't call you to this. God always calls us and makes us into who we are. He made you to be a person of valor. I'm a person of valor. I am. Boy, that's so hard to do. I think all the times I was scared. I was such a scared little boy. So afraid. I can't say I'm never afraid anymore. I'm not afraid of what I used to be afraid of. Why? Because God's with me. And I'm a successful man. I I get to be Joseph. So do you. Can I pray for you this week? Go back and reread this story. Read that story in Genesis because I only hit a couple of the highlights. There's so much there about what we're talking about. And we'll look at virtue next week and what it means. And I dare say that if you can find a place in faith this morning to add to your faith that you have a heart of virtue, of valor. One more little thing. So I had a really... Weird dream this week. Yeah, in the midst of all the getting bit by the spider and going through all that, I had this really weird dream and I had to talk through it with Brenda and I think I know what it means now. And I think that the systems and the economy of our world cannot give you anything. I had this weird dream about that uh, these, this government entity was trying to give me stuff and, and, and we're trying to make my life okay. And I was like, I don't want your stuff in the, in the dream. Then I woke up and I heard a phrase from an old song from a group called America. Now, picture it together, song, you know, America. This has been an enigmatic song since it was written. People don't understand. But here's the line that went through my head. It's called the Tin Man. And it talks about Oz, the wizard of Oz. And Oz never could give nothing that the Tin Man didn't already have. All the stuff see, that we're seeing going on, it's mirrors, smokes, and light. Somebody behind the curtain that's just a little dried up little prune pulling cords. I am the great and terrible Oz. It's nothing. They can't give us anything. I already have it in Christ. It's just, it's Joseph. I already have it in Christ. What are you going to add to me? You can't give. Don't look to them for anything. Look to God. Take a step of courageous valor and trust him. Because Oz can't give nothing that you don't already have. There's nothing you need from them. Your sufficiency is in Christ, in Christ alone. In, sing that old song, in Christ alone. Yeah? Let me pray for us. God, we trust you. And even when we don't feel courageous, I have faith. Because I have faith, I can add to my faith, trust, virtue, valor. I'm going to trust you again with my life this morning. I do. I, I step out on that water one more time and say, I trust you, God. I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. Winds are blowing and times are changing and governments are messed up and my family hurts and people I know aren't doing well. I trust you, God. I choose right now in my heart to trust you. I will not receive from other economies. I will receive from you and your economy. You are my hope. You are my deliverance. You are my provision. You are my very present help in time of need. And I. I flee, I flee right now from the temptations of what this world has to offer. And I refuse to lie with anything. And I say, strengthen me, O God, in my heart. Strengthen me in my resolve. And let your grace, your favor rest upon me and be multiplied to me. Let your mercy be shown in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, that's what you'll find later in the story of Joseph. When he's in prison, he gets mercy. It's just, I get it. The story's incredible. It doesn't get any better than that. So, now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.